relief factor, pain relief that's natural, pain relief that works, and pain relief that attacks the source of the pain. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. See their incredible video endorsements at relieffactor.com and then order your three-week quick starter pack for just $19.95. That's less than a dollar a day. Find out if it can work for you like it works for me by ordering your three-week quick starter pack today. Relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com. Be the next success story. Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, she walks into mine. Impressive. Most impressive. See things you people wouldn't believe. You want to talk to God? Let's go see him together. The majesty of the music, the nostalgia, the Orient Express, a murder mystery. Who did it or who didn't do it in the case of this movie? We've been away for a couple of weeks. I've been on the road, but I'm so excited to be back with my good buddy, Chris Coles, Mr. Aiken, making movies great again. Chris, how the devil are you? Oh, I am fantastic. I have missed this show, though, I'll tell you that. You're not the only one. It's like, come on, I want to have fun. It's the weekend. Let's have fun. Let's watch a good movie and let's dissect it from two perspectives that aren't always the same. And in this case, it is a movie from my childhood, came out when I was three years old, played on TV reruns every flipping year. I bought it. It's on my iPhone. When I want a little bit of nostalgia, I know it's a murder mystery, but when I want to feel good, go back in time, I watch Albert Finney as Hercule Poirot. I think you said you hadn't seen it before. Um, Your reaction to Sidney Lumet's Murder on the Orient Express. Well, I must confess that I am of two minds uh, with regard to this film. On the one hand, I'll, I'll give you the good. I'll give you the good and the bad because you are going to have to try to sell me this movie a little bit. But I I'll was tell you this, worried, for... and I thought there's no need to be worried. It's Chris, but I was no, right. No. Well, here, here's the thing. I am of two minds for real because, and it's a little bit my own fault, and I'll get into that later. But I didn't really enjoy the movie for the most part. Like for the for most of watching it, I didn't really enjoy it. But let me tell you, one of the most spectacular, coolest, mind-blowing, really just truly remarkable endings of any movie ever in history. I mean, it's truly one of the best. 
It totally caught me off guard. And, you know, I got to hand it to Agatha Christie. What an absolutely brilliant way to conclude the film. And I don't know if we want to ruin it for people, if, if there's people out there who haven't seen it. I, th it I, th I think really we have to talk about good. it because we, we've got footage that pertains to the end of the movie. And I think it's okay, one of okay. the most important parts of the movie. But, you know, I kind of gave it away at the beginning. It's not a who done it. It's a who didn't do it because everybody right. did it except for Hercule Poirot, his buddy and the doctor. So every stinking person on the train, including the conductor, is the murderer. There's only one victim, right. but all 12 of them did the killing so that i'm so glad yeah. that you didn't have any spoilers you hadn't heard of this before <laughs> because when you see the unveiling at the end this you know eight page long piece of script that albert finney had to you know do basically in one take mm -hmm. it's a gut punch isn't it chris yeah well i'll tell you what it's it's this uh, we'll ex I'll explain the ending real quick to everybody yeah. who's never seen it, and you know. But this is a this is a pretty huge spoiler. So they set it all up as a whodunit, which for decades there have been these murder mystery books that everybody was used to, and it's always one mystery that needs to be solved, right? In the case of Murder on the Orient Express, there's like twelve mysteries that have to be solved, and let me tell you this. I don't think it's possible to solve this book. I, if you're reading the book, and I've never read the book either, if you're reading the book and you're watching the film, I don't think as an audience it's possible to solve the mystery. So I think people would have been frustrated at the time by that when the book came out. However, it is a very satisfying ending in that all the pieces of the puzzle do end up fitting together at the end because this is a plausible scenario. You could imagine a scenario in which there was somebody so many people hated that they all wanted to have a stab at him, not metaphorically, literally. And they all get their opportunity to have a stab at him because they, they all decided to jo join up together on this sort of almost like a holiday on this train, drug this man who committed a horrendous crime years before. They found out who he is. They've all conspired on this train together. They drug him so that he can't, you know, he's not aware of what's going on. And they each take turns, 12 people stab him in the chest until he's dead. Yeah, because, and let's be clear, we don't want to make, you know, light of the act, which is this collective murder, but because of the people who died, the mother, the right. child, the father committed suicide, the maid, all these people who died because the child was kidnapped and killed, they so loved this family, they're all related to the family or worked for the family, that this is their revenge, because Cassetti, this man traveling on the on the on the train was responsible for that child's death and for the family deaths. There's a moment when Albert Finney explains all the people who died as a result of that one child kidnap, which, of course, based on the original Lindbergh kidnapping, a wonderful uh, moment from near the end of the movie. Let's play that cut. <clears throat> Colonel, Ratchet was responsible for five deaths. The suicide of the falsely accused maid, the murder of the Armstrong child, the death of Mrs. Armstrong while giving premature birth to a stillborn baby, and the ultimate suicide of Colonel Armstrong in the face of multiple and intolerable bereavement. Harry would have understood his action if, in addition, 
to the DSOMC, he had been awarded a VC, which stands, as you may know, for Victoria Cross and is awarded for Valor. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. That's Hercule Poirot, played by Albert Finney, telling Sean Connery that, of course, the suicide of the father is understandable, given the amount of death that Cassetti caused when that child was kidnapped and later killed. All right, I'm going to go there because I need uh, the rest of the hour to fight with you, to arm wrestle with you across the Atlantic. Why didn't you like this movie? Well, I'll tell you, I'm a kind of a special case. This movie ticked a lot of boxes for me the wrong way, right? I don't really like 70s films. You will want to kill me for that because I know that was a lot of the films in your youth. But they used a particular kind of film back then that I feel makes makes the colors a little bit muddy. They used um, audio recording techniques that I've uh, I've never really enjoyed. So just generally in the 70s, I don't really like films from the 70s. So that's one tick against it. It's not a huge tick, but it's a little tick. Next tick is I hate ensemble cast projects, especially um, ensemble cast that are uh, lots of big stars. Now, sometimes there's exceptions to this. We've seen a couple of films that we loved. They occasionally do it right, but it's really, really hard to do right. That's another take against it because people tend to vie for the spotlight. Right. They tend to maybe uh, they tend to maybe make their performances a little bit too precious. And then the last thing is, I don't really like theatrical cinema. I don't like musical theater, and I don't like things that look like set pieces like they could be on a sound, uh, on a, uh, on a stage, uh, you know, on a theatrical stage, like they were a stage play as opposed to a screenplay. And this script kind of felt like a, a stage play to me. So it sort of ticked three boxes in the wrong way for me. Uh, but the last bit, the, the fourth thing that bothered me was my own fault. And that's because of modern cinema. Modern mysteries, modern films often have endings that are not at all satisfying. And I'm looking at all these sort of disparate clues and saying, okay, this is a red herring, that's a red herring, maybe this leads to something, maybe it doesn't. But we're never given enough information to be able to piece the puzzle pieces together. I'm like, there's no way anybody can solve this this mystery, so like, what's the point of all this? I, I forgot that historically they cared about making films that were good. Right. I've been conditioned to believe that you can make a film like this and just have the ending be crap and it's okay. No, no, no. Back then they would have made the ending very good, very satisfying. And that's exactly what they did here. Blew me away, way beyond my expectations. And if I had recognized at the beginning, it's going to resolve itself. 
trust it, trust the film, I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more. All right, so what he's really saying, I'm translating coal uh, language, coal speak into English. It's uh, He was wrong, it was an excellent movie. And if you haven't seen it in a while, watch Murder on the Orient Express. Our buddy is Chris Coles. It is the Mr. Reagan, the Alpha Critic channel on YouTube. Follow him, uh, Mr. Reagan USA on Twitter. If you love making movies great again, the long form, the third hour of the show, make sure you are subscribed. Go to whichever podcast platform you prefer. Uh, plug in my name, Sebastian Gorka, America First. Never miss an episode. We'll be back making movies great again in a moment. Threats to our financial freedom and stability are growing. China, Russia, India, Brazil, and Saudi Arabia are conducting international trade in local currencies, not the U.S. dollar. Rising interest rates and bad loans are exposing the banking system and causing failures. The Biden administration sends hundreds of billions abroad while depleting our strategic oil reserves and ignoring crumbling infrastructure. However, the biggest financial threat may be coming from within. Central bank digital currency is real. Patents have been filed and the big banks have released plans for implementation. The vets at Midas Gold Group see tyrannical implications. The end of cash? The end of financial privacy? Big government able to see your every purchase? Could there be ties to a social credit system? You can own private currency, gold and silver. Get free silver just for asking Midas Gold Group how you can use your retirement to own physical gold. Call Midas Gold Group today at 855-322-GOLD. That's 855-322-4653, MidasGoldGroup.com. It is possible the murder was committed by a woman, or by a, a man and a woman in collaboration. From your um, acquaintanceship with Miss Debenham, would you have thought that she was uh, capable physically or emotionally of... That's a bloody irregular question. I know, but I ask it. Miss Debenham is not a woman. She's a lady. Which precludes her from being a murderess. Damn it, the man was a perfect stranger. She'd never seen him before. You feel warmly in the matter? Just the delivery. You feel warmly in the matter. What an incredible ensemble cast. Uh, Sean Connery is just one of the great names in the Murder on the Orient Express. We're going to dissect that incredible ensemble in a moment, but let's get back to the real world for just 60 seconds. We've witnessed in the last three weeks... Horrors the likes of which we haven't seen since, oh, I don't know, September the 11th or the uh, Holocaust in 1945. I'm talking, of course, of the death of 1,400 Israelis in scenes, scenarios that boggle the mind. Concert goers in the desert, babies in a kibbutz, grandmothers murdered on Facebook Live, what do we do about it? Well, not much with Biden in the White House, but if you want to make a difference, if you want to help those who are suffering right now, we have partnered with the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews, and we are getting aid to Israeli families who are under the gun right now. If you want to make a difference, if you want to help those who are suffering, please make a donation. You can call the fellowship on 800-241-7771. Uh, that number, please write it down, 800 800- Two four one seven 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 one. Be as generous as you possibly can. This is for the families, the Jewish families who are suffering today, or maybe even easier than calling. Just go to my website, sebgorka.com, and click on the Israel at War banner. That's S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A, sebgorka.com, and the Israel at War banner. All right, so one of the things you said turned you off 
because of the competing egos you've seen in other ensemble casts, is this incredible list of actors, 50% mega movie stars, 50% legends of the stage, which, you know, is quite interesting that they work together to very different types of actors. So let's just mention a few of them. Uh, Lauren, Betty Bacall, um, Jacqueline Bissett, Ingrid Bergman in a role that is like shocking given, you know, Casablanca, Sean Connery, John Gielgud, legend, a second only to, to really to Laurence Olivier in the British theatre, Anthony Perkins of Psycho fame in a rather different role, Albert Finney as the detective, and um, Richard Widmark as the evil Cassetti. Uh, you have issues with ensemble casts, but I didn't see that which you were afraid of. There's no posing or posturing. They, they work together, do they? No, nobody stands out above the others as showing off, do they? No, and I actually do think that's the problem that I have. Um, it, if you have a star as significantly charismatic as Sean Connery, Sean Connery should be the star of the, <laughs> the movie, or at least a major character. Uh, Lauren Bacall, considered one of like you know the greatest actresses right. in the history of cinema, at least one of the most iconic, and her part was sort of minor. Um, the the actress that actually stood out, the actor that stood out to me the most was Ingrid Bergman because it was such a departure from other stuff that I'd seen her in. I I don't think I'd ever seen her in anything where she was this old. And she was such a naturalistic actor. There was a few actors that I felt were more naturalistic than the others, including Sean Connery. Actually, I thought Sean Connery was excellent in this. Sean Connery's an interesting guy. He's sort of like a working man. You know, you give him the script, you, you put the role in front of him, and he just does it like a bricklayer. You know what I mean? He just does the work. <laughs> and and, and, and no if you listen to the stories, to he expects everybody else to have the same serious attitude. Yeah, yeah. And, and, he, and he delivers. I mean, every performance he gives is exactly what you want him to to present i think some actors try a little bit too hard to change their character um and you know maybe it works maybe it doesn't but sean connery tends to be sean connery in yeah. most things yeah. and that's what we want and he delivers every single time from when he was very young and something like darby o'gill and the little people all the way up to like the rock which we saw the other week and uh yeah every single time he's fantastic but uh yeah, and there were some really funny moments. I mean, this is a kind of a comedy, this movie. And one thing that was difficult for me a little bit was the accents. There were so many accents being put on. Sometimes it's hard for me to understand what was being said, hard for me to cop onto the jokes. But one joke that I laughed out loud at was when Sean Connery would say peep as a, <laughs> as a way of mocking Perot, who was who who kept saying peep because of his accent instead of the word pipe. The, the peep, the peep that, cleaner, the evidence of the peep, the peep. cleaner. <laughs> yeah, in Sean Connery's voice in particular, that was very funny. To, was, Let, let's just, just make a few notes here. So Bergman, of course, you know, Casablanca, the squeeze, the love interest, plays this kind of mentally backward person who is raising money for the, she says, the little brown babies in Africa. Do you know what role they offered her originally? No. Countess Dragomirov. She was going oh, to be the really? count. Yeah, really? Which has a much wow. bigger role, multiple scenes. And she, she looked at the script and she said to Mamet, um, 
I don't want that role. I want to play the strange Swedish, you know, mentally impaired woman. And the d- director said, I don't care if you want to play Hercule Poirot. You get to play whatever you want. And what does she right. get? What does she get? She gets the Oscar for supporting yeah. actress in that role. I, d- I did read that after I saw the film and I thought, yeah, that makes sense to me. Because it was a nuanced role and it was a very, very well, uh, well-played role. She did, she did brilliantly. And the first choice for Hercule Poirot was none other than Ben Kenobi. Alec Guinness was meant to be wow. Poirot. He didn't get it. They went with Finney, who does remarkably, although a little bit of trivia, he was only 38 years old at the time, which is far <laughs> too young to play Poirot in, in, the, in the, the books, in the, the Christie books. Right. As a result, he was... <laughs> now, this is dedication. Talk about Sean Connery. Finney was playing on the stage in the West End while they were making mm-hmm. the movie. So they would pick him up at like 4 a.m. in an ambulance. They would lie him down on the ambulance. He would try to sleep on the way to the studio while they were applying the makeup. They were aging him as he was sleeping in the ambulance. He'd get to Elstree Studios where they filmed most of it. And then they'd finish the makeup. He'd do his acting for the day. And then they'd put him back in the ambulance and rush him down to the West End to finish uh, playing in the theater that evening. So that, that's the level of dedication. But it would have been a very different movie, I think, if Alec Guinness had been the little Belgian detective. We're making movies great again. We've got so- I love this movie. I've got more trivia than I can pack into an hour. You need to go and watch it after our review. And if you haven't seen it before, tough. Uh, the spoilers, it's part of our review. He's Chris Coles. He is the Alpha Critic on YouTube, also the Mr. Reagan channel. Follow him on Twitter at Mr. Reagan USA. And don't forget, if you enjoy our show, follow us on all the social media sites that matter. Just look for Seb Gorker or Sebastian Gorker on Truth Social, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Parler, Getter, Telegram. You can watch us on your Roku or Fire Stick device or with the Salem News Channel app. And don't forget my Substack. New articles this week, SebastianGorker.com substack.com and also if you've had it with political targeting of the leader of the opposition go to sebgorka.com or sebgorkastore.com we've got the yard signs trump 2024 go today sebgorkastore.com on this MyPillow's 20-year anniversary with over 80 million MyPillows sold, Mike Lindell wants to thank you by giving you the lowest price in history on their MyPillows. You will receive a queen-size MyPillow for just $19.98, regular price $69.98, and just $10 more for a king-size. You will receive deep discounts on all MyPillow products such as bed sheets, mattress toppers, pet beds, mattresses, my slippers, and so much more. This is the time to try out some of their other amazing products you've had your eye on go to mypillow.com click on the radio podcast square and use promo code gorka to receive this amazing offer on the queen size my pillow for 1998 or call 800-829-8468 this offer comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee it's time to start getting the quality sleep you deserve go to mypillow.com promo code g-o-r-k-a or call 800-829-8468 today mypillow.com code gorka now, one of the issues you may have had, and I don't want to put words into your mouth, Chris, with this movie, is it's hard to put into a box because somebody mm-hmm. dies. It's a murder mystery. Mm-hmm. 
But at the same time, if you listen to Lumet, if you listen to the individual who wrote the music, the stunning music that was completely original, written by Richard Rodney Bennett for the movie, it's lyrical, it's lively, it's mm -hmm. like a waltz. There's fun, there's glamour. The, the costumes, the costumier was told, don't make these costumes real. Look like they came from, you know, the seamstress yesterday and their brand new theater uh, garments. So there, there's artifice. This isn't meant to be realism. And at the end, you have this strange ending where... The director said, we can't have Poirot just solve the crime and then walk out of the, the carriage. We want to have every single member of the ensemble cast individually toast Lauren Bacall, the mastermind of the murder, with a flute of champagne. So it's, it's, a, it's a strange, sui generis, fun, lightweight murder mystery. Yeah, yeah. But you know what's crazy about this film? As much as much as I struggled to enjoy it throughout most of the most of the playing of the film, this is a classic. I mean, it is a classic and it's a classic for a reason and you're laying out a lot of really good points. And let me just say there are maybe even hundreds of copies of yes. this film. There yes. are so many TV shows that spoofed this or tried to copy it or did some kind of play on it. Uh, it just there is a, a two movies now that Adam Sandler has done that are on Netflix called Murder Mystery. <laughs> and I, I just like happened upon one of them once. It was like Murder Mystery 2. And I'm like, Murder Mystery 2? I never even heard of Murder Mystery 1. <laughs> like, like if they've done a second one, the first one must be pretty good, right? So I go and I watch the first one like by myself. I don't even have a girl with me. I just was like flipping around on stuff. And I watch this movie and I'm like, this is actually pretty funny. You know, it's actually not a bad movie. It's a bit of fun. But it's totally a copy of this film. And then they did, then they did a second one because it was a pretty successful film. It's, uh, it's Rachel from Friends and Adam Sandler. Oh. And they do a great job. They're, they're very funny. It's, it's a good film. If you want to see a, a movie with your uh, wife or, or your girlfriend out there, uh, I, I recommend those movies. And is it like, is it a period piece? Is it a murder mystery or is it a period murder mystery like this one? No, it's a contemporary murder mystery. Um, what's really funny is that uh, Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler both play sort of like average folks that don't make that much money, and they're like impressed by all the wealth and glamour around them. And I'm just like, these guys have probably have more money than the people that they're interacting with right now in real life. But they're like, oh my gosh, look at this soap! It's amazing. <laughs> but they do a good job. They pull they pull it off. You know, they they do well because you know both of them have that personality where they they seem like they could just be ordinary folks so they do a great job actually well this did create so many uh, homages uh, rip-offs and, and repeats yep. when they bought yep. the rights from agatha christie who was still alive when this was being made she died soon after its release they bought mm -hmm. uh, the rights to two more and finney uh, was pushed out of the way by Peter Ustinov. Again, movies from my childhood. Uh, Death uh, on the Nile is, is you know, a classic, but this time it's Peter Ustinov. Again, ensemble cast. But yes, they, they, they've tried to do this for decades now. As far as I'm concerned, this is the best one of the bunch. It's Murder on the Orient Express with Albert Finney playing Hercule Poirot. I'm Sebastian Gorka. This is Making Movies Great Again with my buddy Chris Coles. He of the Alpha critic channel on youtube and the mr reagan channel follow him at mr reagan usa on twitter we're coming to you from the relieffactor.com studios 
when the government used emergency edicts during COVID to restrict the gathering and worship of churches. Three pastors facing the risk of imprisonment, unlimited fines, and their own churches being ripped apart took a courageous stand and reopened their doors in the face of a world that chose to comply. The Essential Church is a feature-length documentary that explores the struggle between the church and government throughout history. This fascinating story uncovers those who've sacrificed their lives throughout history for what they truly believe in. Rediscover why the church is essential and how we prove that this stand remains true from a scientific, legal, and most importantly, biblical perspective. This is not your typical movie. It'll change your life. You need to see this movie with your friends and family. The Essential Church is streaming today exclusively at SalemNow.com. That's Essential Church, streaming at SalemNow.com. Mr. Perot, $5,000. No? $10,000? 15000 Mr. Ratchet. I have made enough money to satisfy both my needs and my caprices. I take only such cases now as interests me, and to be frank, my interest in your case is uh, dwindling. (laughs) Uh, Richard Widmark as the bad guy who has to be killed by the 12 who are in love with the memory of those they lost because of his dastardly actions in Hercule Poirot. $15,000, that's a lot of money back then, didn't take the job of protecting him. I want to talk about the the mastery of the art here, because not only is Sidney Lumet a a legend in, in filmmaking, an individual who made lots of very, very gritty movies, and he deliberately took this movie because he said, I want to do something different. I want to challenge myself and do something uh, lighthearted. But we have to doff our caps from, you know, the geeky behind-the-scenes angle to Jeffrey Unsworth. Jeffrey Unsworth, the cinematographer, the director of photography, he made this movie the, the beautiful uh, you know, artifice that it is. This is a man who was responsible for Kubrick's 2001, for Cabaret, and for the original Superman movie by Richard Donner. Um, there's, there's such subtlety, especially in the lighting and the camera work, especially when Poirot explains who the murderers are. And there's flashbacks, repeated flashbacks. Here we have Lumet explain how he and Unworth um, use technology to have an effect on the viewer. This is the making of. What I did was, for the normal narrative, I just shot them as normal scenes. Though I'd sooner have seen him properly tried. By jury. Trial by 12 good men and true. But then as soon as I finished each one of those scenes, I changed lenses quite radically. It's a sound system. The visual difference in those lenses is enormous. The wide-angle lenses distort space enormously. And Jeffrey also relit the scenes. And so it was just a completely different technical approach to the exact same subject matter, and I thought it worked well. The train was now silent and at peace. Silent, yes. At peace, no. Just changing the lenses, filming the same scene twice, one with a regular lens, then filming it again with a squashed lens and different lighting, 
gives it a completely different emotional quality. I know you have issues with 70 mo 70s movies, but, but we have to yeah. pay credit to, to the visual expertise of both the director and the director of photography. Yeah, I mean, I actually like that kind of experimentation. Um, I, I didn't particularly like the sort of fisheye lens thing that he did. I did notice it. But at the time, you know, that was something that maybe no one had ever done before. It was sort of an interesting visual style. Uh, you know, now everybody in the world can shoot anything they want with uh, just about any kind of lens type uh, relatively cheaply. So we can all kind of experiment with that kind of stuff. But back then, you had to have a lot of money or be connected to one of the studios to be able to play around like this. And right. so, yeah, I think what he was doing was really uh, innovative and interesting and, and trying out new things. I think that's really smart. Uh, you know, not everything has to work for everybody to be effective. Like, like I said, this is a classic and people do love it. So I don't know how much people appreciate what he did there, but uh, you know, the guy, the guy is a master of his craft. And I actually think probably everybody involved in this project were, you know, the, at the top of their game because, you know, as you well know, this it was a hugely successful film Massive. and it did inspire so many copies and it is considered a great classic. And the other thing you can see from the footage here, they didn't do what was common for the last 50 years in these kinds of set pieces. They didn't blow out the walls to fit in the cameras. They filmed inside a carriage to give it that compressed, mm. paranoid kind of shut-in feeling that really does work. Um, one more thing that I think is quite stunning is the opening segment. We, we've played it before. No, no voices no dialogue at all but when they're pl playing the story explaining the backstory of the daisy armstrong kidnapping it's done with period newspapers with yellow filters with snapshots as if it's you know journalism from the 30s it it's it's one of the most effective openings i think because nobody has to say anything there's not a long logline scroll of what you're you're looking at it's just powerful imagery that tells you a whole story in just a couple of minutes what do you think of this opening uh, title sequence yeah it is quite creative and they were able to use some of that and bring it back you know later on as they were talking about what happened that night they would bring back bits from that first segment so yeah i mean it was effective it definitely like what was really interesting for me was that i'm looking at all this and i'm instantly recognizing that this is drawn from the Lindbergh baby case right. like it's so famous even today that kidnapping case i mean i think that the reason why kidnapping is a federal crime today is because of that case right yeah. like before yeah. that it may have been like state by state crime so that was such an enormous case that even today i recognize that this story drew inspiration from that so it was very uh, clear and uh, maybe it was helped by the historical event, but it was definitely like a clearly told story really quickly. That's, that's definitely something that's difficult sometimes to put in. It's very difficult to condense a novel into a, a film like this. Right. Two hours really isn't enough time to tell everybody's story and get all the clues out there and stuff like that. But somehow they were able to do it in a way that was reasonably effective, obviously effective enough so that this film is considered a classic today. Yeah, you're, no, that's such an important point. I mean, these are massive tomes. This is, you know, Agatha Christie's, one of her most famous works. To condense all of that into two hours is, is quite a feat, So, and, and they did it. We're talking to Chris Coles. This is Making Movies Great Again, coming to you from the relieffactor.com studio. Who do we now have here in this car that could have known or could have been involved with the Armstrong household? 
We have one, Mr. McQueen, who became boyishly devoted to Mrs. Armstrong at the time of the kidnapping. Two, the Princess Dragomirov, who was Mrs. Armstrong's devoted godmother. Three, the Countess Andreni, who was Mrs. Armstrong's devoted younger sister. Four, the Count Andreni, who was Helena's devoted husband and Mrs. Armstrong's devoted brother-in-law. Five, Hilda George Schmidt, who was Mrs. Armstrong's devoted cook. Six, Mary Debenham, who was Mrs. Armstrong's devoted secretary. About eight pages of dialogue. It keeps going and keeps going, and he memorized it all. It's practically one take. Stunning work from Albert Finney. They had to do it again and again and again, of course, to get all the different you know, versions of it. Stunningly done. Uh, we are closing our thoughts on the murder on the Orient Express. I have one complaint that I will share from one of my favorite movies. But for you, Chris, final thoughts on this true ensemble classic? Well, I think I figured out why you like this film so much. First of all, <clears throat> the Hungarian countess, one of the most strikingly beautiful women ever on screen. Uh, when she came on the screen, I just thought, holy smokes, wait, who is this? Right? I, never even, I, I don't think I'd ever seen her on film It's before. always about and the secondly, Hungarians, Chris. It's always about the Hungarians. Well, that's what I was about to say. I'm pretty sure you like this film because... Aren't, aren't you like a Hungarian count yourself? I'm pretty sure I try and, I try and keep that quiet. I try and keep that quiet. <laughs> no, it's... Uh, yeah, I think I figured it out. That's why you love the film. You, it, amongst other things. Amongst, and the fact that Michael York actually sat down with George Mikesh to learn Hungarian accents in London, one of the most famous Hungarian writers, just adds to it. So my, my complaint... Oh, I didn't know that. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. My complaint yeah. is uh, Richard Widmark is supposed to play an Italian mafia don called Cassetti. He's the most white-bred American guy I've ever <laughs> seen. It's like, why is Widmark playing an Italian? Makes no sense. Uh, anyway. It actually only just, it only just occurred to me how he made his money. Because he was a little bit like, you know, trying to avoid saying how he made his money. He's like, I made it in baby, baby food formula or whatever, baby formula. I just, it just occurred to me why he was so, hey, sometimes I'm a little slow. Okay, Seb, I'm a little slow. It's the sometimes. connection. It's the connection. It's the Skype connection across the Atlantic. All right, That's we still got quite, quite a few things to discuss. A uh, little bit of uh, background. Only two of the movies made out of her more than 50 books uh, met with Agatha Christie's approval. This is one of them. The other was witness for the prosecution. Um, she did, however, have a serious issue with this movie in the fact that uh, Albert Finney's mustache is very boring. In her books, uh, Al the uh, Hercule Poirot mustache is described as the most magnificent mustache in Europe. Uh, if you've seen the Kenneth Branagh Poirot movies, you will get a sense of maybe the kind of thing Agatha was thinking of. Um, what else? Oh, we always talk about the success of the movie. It was a rave success amongst audiences and critics. Uh, this is shocking. For this cast, Chris, this cast, it only cost $1.4 million to make the movie. One. $1.4 million. A third of that was the salaries of the actors, and it made a cool $36 million. So that's quite, wow. qu quite a return on investment. All right, uh, any final thoughts on the movie? Uh, I, 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 let, let's do the rating. Let's do the rating before we pick our next movie. I need to know, Chris, I know you're torn on this, but be gentle. What do you think? I know you rate it from the perspective of a modern audience. What do you got? How, how many, um, what shall we give it? Um, he's killed with a paper knife. 
So yeah, how okay. many paper knives out of 10 do you give Murder on the Orient Express? Uh, I would give it. So the thing is, yeah, like you said, I, I rate this on how a modern audience would appreciate it. I do think a modern audience would struggle with this yeah. film. But if you include the ending, which I do think is one of the best in the history of cinema, really, truly, it is. It was a spectacular ending. Uh, I do. Ha I, I will elevate it a little bit, and I'll say I'll give it a six. Six daggers. Six daggers. All right. I think I think you're right. You know, after all the franchises and the Fast and Furious and all that garbage, a modern audience would probably have trouble with this. I rate it out of the universe of all movies, and I give this like a hundred out of ten. So this is this is a ten out of ten for me. I love Murder on the okay. Orient Express. It is a classic. <laughs> Absolutely. It's just it's just it's the kind of movie that that I, I love. All right, um, Chris, what are we gonna do next week? You know what? I struggled with this. I don't know if you're going to like this film. I don't. I really so you don't. always say but, that. And it's a you film always I say that. <laughs> I don't, and it's one I haven't seen since I was probably 10 years old. I mean, I really, I have not seen this in forever, so I don't even know if I'm going to like it. Uh, but it's, it's about a man with a knife, and it's called Crocodile Dundee. Oh, fun. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Well, that, that's great. Bring it I, back I, to the 80s. Yeah, I, I think I loved this movie uh, at the time. Uh, he's such a at character, time, total really. character. He was like everywhere for about 10 years. This is a knife has gone down in history as one of the most famous lines in the movie. So, yeah, we, we, Crocodile Dundee, it is. All right. In the meantime. We've been skirting around the 80s for a we while have. now. I feel like it's time. Yeah. We have. I think I commend that choice. All right, guys, go watch Crocodile Dundee. And in the meantime, don't forget to subscribe to The Alpha Critic on YouTube and the Mr. Reagan channel. Follow our friend also, uh, Mr. Reagan USA on Twitter. I'm Sebastian Gorka. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing now more than ever, keep your head on a swivel, watch your six, hold the line, never give up, never give in, and stay frosty. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.